Welcome to the Personal Best Podcast, powered by Jets Australia. Team, today we have a very special episode. Our guest today has over 10 years in the nutrition industry. She is a renowned Australian media dietitian, nutritionist, sports dietitian, and online social media influencer known as the fitness dietitian. She has dedicated her career to helping women find peace, happiness, and sustainability with their body, their health, and their lifestyle. Jacob, can you guess who our guest is? I think I can, because she's joining us now it's leanne ward awesome guys enjoy the interview now leanne you're nine months pregnant like yeah um and life for you sounds pretty hectic you're moving pretty soon apparently and uh there's a few things happening just just tell us how this pregnancy has gone yeah no it's gone pretty well it's, it'll be my second little girl so we've got um another bub mia she's nearly 18 months now so it's been a bit of a wild ride we'll have two and two um we've been building a house for the last two years so we're moving in a week's time so i'll be 36 weeks pregnant when we move in but we just had a meeting with the builder this morning and he's like look it's still going to be a construction zone it won't be finished we're working around you so <laughs> we're just like oh my goodness but the place we're in the floors are getting redone so like we have to be out there's just no way around it oh, so okay. it's just it's going to be a wild next month yeah it's just it just well we're rolling with it <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible and like so you so you mentioned little me i, I have started following me as instagram accounts it's, it's very it's, it's very cute how has this pregnancy been compared to hers are there any sort of major differences that you've noticed not really. Pregnancy-wise, it's been very similar. I've been very fortunate. I haven't had any, um, you know, major health concerns or anything like that. Um, so it's been very similar. It's just, I guess, lifestyle-wise, it's been a lot busier, you know, with a toddler, working full-time, building a new house, kind of being in between a couple of locations. Like, it's it's just been busy. <laughs> I, I think it's about to get a, a little bit busier. Yeah, you've really just, challenging just yourself there with the move and two under two. That's why, yeah, that's why Bart was like, if you need to reschedule, I was like, if we reschedule this, it it'll will never happen. happen. No, you'll be in a <laughs> no. construction zone behind you. Yeah. Uh, that's I'm very excited about my new office though. It's, um, we've soundproofed it. So it's like a perfect podcasting studio. Oh, so great. it's been really good. If anyone's building in your, in your podcast or you want a soundproof room, if you've got little kids, it's much easier to do as you're building rather than after the fact. So the builder tells me so it's yeah. very, very easy to do as we were building. Um, but once, you know, if you change your mind later on and the room's already built, it's 10 times harder. Yeah. That's good to know. We're about, we're actually just about to shift out. We're, we're sort of in a separate studio to our office at the moment. We're about to shift it upstairs and I think they're actually going to sort of build a little room hopefully for a bit scratch. more soundproof yeah because <laughs> yeah. don't, we don't want Barton I being heard podcasting yeah. outside of outside of that god forbid right no and so um <laughs> you are the fitness dietitian Leanne is there some <laughs> do you feel and this might be a, a, bit, a bit of an odd question but do you feel any sort of pressure or um or anything like that to you know feed your kids a certain way or, or, to, or to behave a certain way just because of what you do I think I definitely think there is that pressure. I think people expect you to feed, you know, your kids clean, lean, nutritious meals. But the reality is toddlers are just fussy. Like it's what they are. They're, they're so fussy. Like one day me will eat this like, you know, vegan legume stroganoff, whatever it is. Like she's all good with the beans and she'll eat some tofu. And the next day, like she just chucks crackers off the table like she just she doesn't want a bar of anything one day you cook something and it's like this is the most delicious thing in the world and she eats it all the next day it's all on the ground and she's like no 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 <laughs> it's just toddlers like you mm. just have to learn to adapt so I guess there is a little bit of that pressure but at the same time I think every parent wants to feed their kid the best that they can you know so I think that we all feel it as parents we want to give our kids the best start to life the most nutritious foods but between that sort of one to two year age group they're mm. just they're like figuring out that they're independent that they can say no that stuff falls on the ground and oh that's fun i can throw it at the wall like it, it just is <laughs> you just gotta move through it 
And with me, she has um, a lot of bad, really um, bad nut allergies. Right. So she had nut and sesame allergies. Um, we found out around between that sort of six and nine month mark. And they're pretty bad. Like we carry a couple of EpiPens with us. She's been in the hospital a few times. Um, and so that for us was a bit challenging because every time we ate out, she has five nut allergies and a sesame allergy. She's actually just outgrowing the sesame one, which is wow. amazing. And it's, it's only like 20 to 30% of the kids will outgrow one allergy. Oh, so wow. the allergist was really happy with that. So Sesame just limits things. Like it's in things you wouldn't even think about. Like you go out to breakfast and you order just scrambled eggs on toast and there's a bit of sesame in the bread or there's mm. like they put some dukkha on top of the eggs or something like that. It's in a bit of the, there's, you know, you order this vegan breakfast bowl, which you think is a really great healthy option, but it's got like hummus in it, which has tahini and sesame in it. So it's just in so many things you don't think about. You go to sushi and you're like, oh yeah, sushi is great. My toddler will eat that. And it's got sesame in it. So it's just everywhere. Yeah. So it's a really, I'm really happy out of all of them that that was the one that she grew out of. Well, we kind of went through a Stage where we were very fearful when she first got diagnosed when mm. we went out to eat we just kind of order her like a bowl of hot chips because we we're like this is one of the safest options we know she'll eat it and now she's kind of in that stage where we go out we're like do you want some salmon do you want some broccoli and she's like chips <laughs> <laughs> and all she wants is chips and so we've kind of like screwed ourselves in that matter that all she wants is hot chips when she goes out so we're getting that it's a yeah. work in progress did you find out that like the heart like a tough way that she was allergic to like, like I have a big panic the first time and she had that reaction. Yeah. yeah. Well, we tried a couple of times, like um, being a dietitian, I sort of knew what the protocol was. You want to introduce allergens early from about six months and definitely before 12 months. Right. So we started around six months and I think I did um, wheat and dairy and fish and salmon first and that was all good. So I was like, oh, great. You know, we don't have a problem. And then I moved on to the nuts and I think I did peanut first and she got like a little bit of like, it just looked like a little rash and I was like, that's mm. interesting. Maybe it's just normal or whatever put her in the bath it was fine the next time she had about two or three little hives and I was like I'm just gonna watch this and be very careful and my husband's um, brother is a doctor so I called him over the next time and the next time we gave it to her the third day in a row she had a full face of hives like spread down her Holy. neck spread down her chest and oh. we were like oh okay so we didn't do that again and we got on the wait list for the allergy appointment and she was like yep definitely peanut allergy don't do that mm -hmm, and she yep. said but it's very rare if they have peanut and other tree nuts as well so she's like go ahead with the other tree nuts you'll be fine so we did almond she was fine got my confidence back and then we did cashew and I remember I did I had cashew nut butter because it's the easiest yeah. way you can't give babies like whole nuts so I had cashew nut butter and I had maybe like an eighth of a teaspoon, like the smallest amount, just put it on the inside of her lip, like the allergist said, and was like, yep, she'll be all good, then fed her her normal porridge. And within minutes, her entire face no. had blown up, her eyes had swollen up. We were about eight minutes from the children's hospital and the ambulance was going to take like 12 and we just like threw her in the car and drove straight there. Um, and they took one look at us and they were like, come straight through. It was a bit traumatic. We were like in the recess room. They were like drawing up the adrenaline. Yeah. It was so bad. Like it was like full body hives, red swelling, and it was from the smallest amount. So that's probably her most severe allergy is cashew. That's incredible. And also got, yeah. So it was, yeah. So we learned the hard way and we haven't given it to yeah. us since intentionally. Um, and we just carry kind of EpiPens with us wherever we go, just in case. Right. <laughs> Does that help you with kind of like creating new like foods and recipes and stuff? Like I can't use this and I'll have to try something with this. And you're always just like creating new different ways to make foods. A little bit, yeah. She does have a couple of nuts she's okay with. Like she can have almonds, she can have macadamia, she can have pine nuts. So we try to put them in most things a couple of times a week. And then we just stay clear of the five that she is allergic to because the allergist did say that it's very rare because they're so severe and there's so many of them now that she'll ever be free of all of her allergies. So we're hoping she'll grow out of one or two more. I'm really hoping for peanut um, and potentially the smaller ones like pecan and pistachio. But I think the two big ones, the walnut and the cashew, are probably going to stick. And it's a bit scary because the older they get, 
the, and the more times they have it, the worse the reaction can be. Mm. Um, so, but I'm just hoping that she'll get to the stage where she's old enough that she can say, you know, mummy, my throat feels itchy or something like, you know, my, my eyes feel itchy or something. Cause at the moment we just watch and wait and we mm. can tell basically person, you know, looking at a physical reaction, we can tell if something's happening. Um, but it's a little bit scary. Any, any parent with kids with allergies, it is a bit kind of nerve wracking, but I think as we, as she grows a bit older, we're hoping that yeah, she grows out of bottle too. I couldn't imagine that. So I have a, I have an 11 month old. He's almost one. So I can't wait for that one to two year uh, age group, Leanne. Thanks for painting the great picture oh there God, for me. It's a, it's a great ride. Oh, joy. <laughs> um, but like, I, I, I get terrified when he like just slightly chokes on the bread that he's eating or something like that. And I think, I think you're right. The thing that, um, the thing, the most frustrating thing is that he can't communicate to you what's happening and you can't communicate to him that, that that's okay. And fatherhood has changed me like that. It's changed me that way in a number of ways in, that yeah. are really hard to describe. Thinking of of of, of mother of before motherhood, mm. how has that changed you? So thinking about a time when you were doing your thing before kids, even before you were pregnant, what's mm. sort of the most fundamental changes that you've found? I think one of the big ones is I used to be a bit of a procrastinator. I think like most people, I was like, oh, I'll do it later, oh, I'll do it later. And now it's like if I get the opportunity and something needs doing, I bloody do it. It's right. like if I've got 10 minutes, I will do it because you, like, you can be like, oh, I'll go to bed early tonight, I'll plan for this. And the next day your kid's got like some gross daycare bug and the whole family is out or it's like you just have – two hours sleep all night and your kid's been up since 3am and it's just never going to happen. So I just, I just take the opportunities where I've got them now. I don't put them off. I'm like, oh, like, you know, before I was a parent, I was like, oh, I don't feel like training this morning. I'll go this afternoon. Now I'm like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it or mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. So it's sort of like I take that opportunity if it presents itself. Um, and the other thing I think it's changed me is I'm just a lot more grateful for being able to put good food into my body and being able to move. Like I really see it as a great privilege versus I I think I put I did take it a lot for granted beforehand I was like oh everyone could go to the gym we've all got 24 hours in the day <clears throat> you know that age old saying you see it's like well we all have 24 hours but a lot of people you know have to use that very very differently <laughs> so I'm a little bit more empathetic towards parents definitely but I'm also just very grateful that I get to move my body most days and I get to put good food into my body most days um, and then I have the knowledge that I do have in order to I guess help my family out and make some great decisions on a, on a regular basis as well but I'm definitely more that just messy action versus trying to be perfect every day I'm like just do it do it a little bit do it 10% and it's the best you can do today versus I'm gonna go to the gym and train for an hour and get my massive leg session in Mm -hmm. it's like if I just go for a 10 minute walk around the block like I'm winning today so it's definitely made me kind of adopt this different mantra it's like progress not perfection has been really helpful that's incredible. I think you, you hit something really, um, uh, really hard for me there, and it's that you're you're a bit more empathetic towards other parents. So I've I've been I've been a trainer for a long time, and when I was young and just sort of starting in the game, I I heard what parents were saying, but I never heard what parents were saying. You know, you're I, not I, listening. I, I never <laughs> I never really understood it until until it happened to me. It, it, it changes the way that you think towards other people as well. Once you once you feel it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That level of like fatigue after you haven't slept all night, particularly <laughs> those like first like six, eight weeks, you're like, how did we even survive that? <laughs> like you appreciate like fatigue and I'm tired on a whole nother level. <laughs> you do. And you're just that little bit more empathetic. That's for sure. Now looking back, um, you've been doing this for quite a long time. Uh, how did it all start? How did the whole uh, Fitness journey, journey start? Tell us a story. 
Yeah, yeah. So I guess going right back, I always I always wanted to do something in health. I always wanted to help people. That was always my number one goal. So I think going through, you know, early high school and late high school, it was either medicine, it was physio or it was dietetics for me. And I moved away from medicine. Just I think it's just that fear. I was always a, a like a type A perfectionist growing up. And I thought, you know, one mistake could end my whole career. I don't want to, I don't want that pressure of having people's lives in my hands. I was like, I don't think I want to do medicine. Physio, I loved. And I did like a week of work experience, but I I'm really tall. I'm six foot one. And I did it with a sports physio and she would, you know, massage the leg that had the injury. And she'd be like, you know, you massage this footballer's other leg, just, you know, give it a go, that sort of thing. And my hands and my back were just dying after like an hour, like leaning over a bed all day and being six foot one. I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like I'm not cut out. <laughs> so I very much moved away from that. And I thought, what else could I do in the health field that really can help people and make a difference? And it was nutrition. So that's sort of the pathway that I got into it. And I also had my own, I guess, like struggles growing up in terms of nutrition. When I, I think I was about 18, I went to Bali with some girlfriends, like most Aussie dreaded Bali belly, came back and just had like the worst gut for years afterwards and spent just seeing every like, you know, doctors, naturopaths, different types of, you know, even dietitians trying to fix my my gut, which ended up being just irritable bowel, like a lot of IBS, um, really low iron, that sort of thing, like got checked for all in inflammatory markers, celiac disease, that sort of thing. So I had my own kind of journey that way, but also being that type A perfectionist was very like, like strict with my diet, like thought I had to be the perfect nutritionist, thought I had to be as tiny as I possibly could be, thought I had to eat perfectly, salads, train every day, do cardio every day. Um, and it really did backfire on me or it created a little bit of like a more disordered relationship with food. So that's sort of my big focus now is working with women on sustainable fat loss, improving gut health and hormones, and also working through a lot of that like emotional eating and that relationship with food as well. So that's sort of where I am now. And coming out of my, I did an undergrad in um, nutrition. So I did a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutrition, went and worked as a public health nutritionist out in Charleville, so out in, in a Queensland country town for a year and a half, and then came back and did my master's in dietetics. Um, and then when I graduated that, I was very fortunate to get a job as a clinical dietitian, so a hospital-based dietitian. And within that, I worked across the medical wards, the surgical wards, a little bit of like ICU, and also started in the gastroenterology clinics. So being a gut health dietitian was really what I was really, really passionate about. But being a hospital dietitian pre-COVID, the jobs were very, very competitive. Everybody wanted it. And I didn't start on a permanent contract. I think I was two days a week to start with. Then I went to full-time, but I was still not permanent. And I think it was about two and a half to three years before I actually got a permanent contract. So most of my contracts, although I was full time, they went like three months at a time, six months at a time. Like I never had that reassurance that I would still have a job in a year's time or I'd still have a job in six months time. So I started an Instagram account just on the side, just in, I was like, just in case I ever don't have a job, I've got something to fall back on. So I've had nothing to lose. And this was 10 years ago, nearly like when no one else, like other health professionals weren't on Instagram. Now, every health professional, if you're not on Instagram, you're silly, right? This is 10 years ago. I was, I was one of the first dietitians, as I know, on Instagram to start with. And I very much just started posting healthy recipes, snapshots of my workout, little tips and little quotes that kept me motivated. Um, and the following group, you know, pretty exponentially because, as I said, I was one of the only real like health professionals on there at the time. It was a newer platform. It was easy to grow. I think I got to kind of 50, 100K in a year or two, um, which is pretty good. And I just, just kind of kept growing from there. So it was always kind of my fallback option. And then I got to the point where I think I had 
you know, one, 200K followers and people were asking me like, oh, do you have a program? How can we work with you? And I'm full-time at the hospital. I was in a senior position by that time. I was exhausted. I was like, I don't want to work there all day, then come home and do my own clinic at nighttime. So I phased myself out. I sort of cut back at the hospital, dropped to four days, dropped to three days, dropped to two days, kind of phased myself between both um, with the idea being that if I don't give this a go and, and see what I can do for my community, I'll always regret that. And so I sort of made the jump about four years ago now I've been full-time in my own business for the last four years haven't been at the hospital since then um, and yeah it's been a wild ride it's been it's been wonderful I do you know my social media accounts I do podcasting I do one-on-one coaching um, yeah there's quite a lot of things I do I've got webinars I've got ebooks I've got an online course um, it's just been amazing me I reach so many people all around the world awesome what's the what's the next goal for you are you always just striving to build your brand and your social accounts and just learn more or do you have specific goals that you're aiming for down the future yeah I don't know if I have specific goals but for me it's always been around helping people you know I couldn't care less how many followers I had or how much money I made it's just it's being able to reach more people with balanced evidence-based advice and particularly with social media these days there's so much crap online like there's so much misinformation like so much it's unbelievably scary how much misinformation is out there so for me growing means that I can reach more people with good evidence-based messages that for me is what it's all about so it's growing my team I've got six dietitians who work with me at the Mm. moment it's growing that potentially more in the future so we can reach more people and we can help more people and be more effective at at what we do because anybody can call themselves a nutritionist anybody can call themselves a health coach anybody can be a mummy blogger there's no regulation around that in Australia and that's the scariest part whereas with dietitians we have to go to university for a minimum of four to five years we have to be registered. We have to have insurance. We have to have clinical practice. So there's a big, um, I guess, difference between the regulations of dietitians and a lot of the other, I guess, nutritional health fields. And a lot of people don't understand that too. So it's just putting out those messages so people understand, oh, they signed up with a trainer, but that trainer didn't really have any experience or qualifications in nutritional. They signed up with a mummy blogger who'd lost 10 kilos after she had a baby from doing a keto diet. And then she put out her own ebook. (laughs) And they're like, Mm -hmm. wait, why isn't this working for me? Because there's no regulation in the field. There's no one to kind of keep those people accountable and that sort of thing. So for me, it's just, it's putting out those good balanced messages. It's helping people understand what does the science show us in the nutrition space? What does evidence-based nutrition messages actually mean? Mm -hmm. And how can we help people live a healthy yet sustainable lifestyle long-term? Because that's what it's all about. We're all chasing these quick, fast goals, but if they're not sustainable, they're never actually going to stick long-term. Oh yeah. I didn't actually know how unregulated it was. I May as well just call myself a nutritionist. <laughs> Please <now>. don't. <laughs> Please don't do that. Um, you said something I saw up on a post the other day, but you briefly touched on then. Um, it's just because it worked for someone else doesn't mean it's the right thing for me. How do you feel mm-hmm. with like people putting out so much content, um, but not always able to get the individual person, like aiming for that person, like finding if it's right for someone else, but you're just kind of branching out to everyone? And I think that's where it becomes apparent that people don't have the training or the qualifications that they need when they have one message and that's it. Like it's fine to say all of my clients do gluten-free, all of my clients do low-carb, all of my clients are on a vegan diet. That's fine if that's your belief. But where 
you have to draw the line is understanding that it doesn't work for everybody. And I've had so many clients who go, well, I'm not vegan, but I signed up to this girl's eight week weight loss program and I had to be vegan for that. And yeah, I lost weight, but I couldn't maintain it because I didn't enjoy it. I actually like meat. And then I put it all back on again, or I'm not gluten-free, but this girl told me for my hormones, I had to be gluten-free. So I did mm. her program and I cut it all out, but I actually really like having a couple of slices of pizza on the weekend. So it's drawing that line between, okay, that worked for you and that's wonderful, but every single person is an individual. And don't get me wrong, some people genuinely happily want to do a plant-based diet. Some people physically and medically need a gluten-free diet. Some other people just feel better on it. None of those things are wrong, but saying that everybody has to do it or that's the only way that you can achieve your goals, that's what I generally have a problem with. So I always say that a good practitioner understands that every person is different and every person will have different needs. Some of my clients do gluten-free. Some of them do better on low carb. Some of them do better on much higher carb. Some of them we don't even focus on fat loss at all because they've had a really disordered relationship with food and they're working with a therapist to move away from the scale and move away from body composition results, whatever it might be. Others do really, really well with a fat loss goal. So no plan should be the same for all of your clients. Sure, we can have the fundamentals in place, but it should never be the same plan that we're just putting out for people, you know, on rotation because that's where we're going wrong. We're treating everybody the same, whereas we're all very, very, very different. I feel yeah. We we have the same battle in in the fitness industry with 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 mm. our gyms as well, where there's people that will they'll do a program that's you know German volume training or something like that, and it, it worked for them to the point, and now for the rest of their life they they have a connotation of success and results with this way of training when the actual mm-hmm. fact the best thing you could do is probably to do the exact opposite to, to keep your body to keep your body moving, and you mm-hmm. know we we see sort of that. Um, that message in the fitness Instagram and the fitness social media world as well. Speaking of, of social media, mm. do you see, do you think it's helping young women more or hindering young women more uh, in terms of the message that's being sent? Oh, it's a tough one. Hey, I think for every person that we help, there's one that that suffers as well. And I think it comes back to like, who do you follow? But it's not even just that because I looked at this, Um, There was a horrific thing where, you know, they were talking about like youth suicide and it was, it was saying that like this young boy who had taken his own life had um, essentially, he didn't follow these like, you know, accounts, but they were showing up on the For You page. So you don't even have to follow these people Mm. these days. You just have to go to the For You page. And if you watch one video and you're like, oh, what's this even about? Like you're just watching out of just curiosity to see what it is or you don't swipe past it. The algorithm then thinks that that's something that you enjoy and it'll show you more and more and more of that. So I think getting rid of something like that, like that For You page or that targeted algorithm where social media thinks that it's what you want to see I think getting rid of that altogether will actually be a good thing particularly for young people and that way we can actually search for what we want like balanced nutrition messages or health and not you know when I was going through Instagram 10 years ago it was very much like fitspo so what would come up was essentially like a lot of eating disorder accounts who were like significantly underweight it was just that skinny frail thin look if you typed in fitspo or abs and I'll be honest that's what I used to search for as well you know 10 years ago when I was like oh I want the perfect body as a nutritionist it would come up with just this six pack after six pack after six pack of these girls who would train two three hours a day eat basically nothing and have such low body fat percentages that they hadn't had a menstrual cycle in months if not years so I feel like it can be very very helpful but it can be also a big hindrance to a lot of people and I think for young people it needs to be sensitive it's if it's a parent or it's 
maybe the platforms themselves need to change a little bit in terms of what we're actively showcasing these young people and we just don't showcase these accounts or these videos but for every account that gets shut down because it's inappropriate another 10 pop up so it's, it's just really hard to regulate something like that but at the same time we're able to give out advice to people all around the world completely for free who may never have had access to this great advice you know I've had people from Russia I've had people from these these countries that I, I've never even heard of I can't even pronounce being like oh my goodness I listened to your podcast episode and that changed my life thank you so much so like we can help and change lives but at the same time it can it can be the total opposite for some people so I don't know I don't have yeah. a right or wrong I feel like the pendulum swings one. both ways it's either it's really good and really bad like uh comparing to about probably like five or ten years ago when people like yourself were just getting started but uh People like you are putting out such good information out there that I feel like the whole nutrition, um, the right stuff is getting out there at the end and people are swinging towards finding the right answer. Yeah. yeah. And it's really nice to see a lot more like doctors and like qualified professionals online. Whereas I think when I started out 10 years ago, they were very, very fearful of doing that. They were like, we can't do that. We can't be a doctor and give out free advice online. Yet there are like doctors making a full-time income from being on Instagram, from being on TikTok, which is awesome. So it's the, the landscape has definitely changed, but yeah, for every great account out there, there's probably 10 that aren't that helpful. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and it's wading through that. It is, and you're and you're right. It's, it's sometimes doing that 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 self help check uh, uh, ritual where you sort of go through the people that you follow and you unfollow the ones that are just mm. you know. Um, I want to take a bit of a left turn. So mm-hmm. we um um in our gyms, uh, a large contingent of our membership uh, is is uh, is female, mm-hmm. and I know that this is sort of where in nutritionally this is your wheelhouse. What mm-hmm. what are you seeing out in the field? What are sort of the major roadblocks for someone who may be is in the gym, is exercising, but isn't seeing the results that they want. I think for a lot of us, it comes back to that, just that diet mentality where we're like, we're training hard, we're dieting hard, like Monday to Friday, and we're all great, we're all on track. And honestly, this is me like 10 years ago, Mm. Monday to Friday, train hard, eat clean. Then it was like Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, it was like a bit of a bender. It was like, I deserve a cheat meal. I've worked so hard all week. So we're not finding that balance as well as we could, I think is a big one. I think that nutrition is very confusing for a lot of people. As I said, there's so much misinformation out there. We're trying to do everything. We're trying to do the little things that I tell my clients that matter, maybe three to five percent. You know, we're taking all the supplements, we're taking our BCAs, we're chowing down a protein shake, but we're not getting the basics right. And then we're going and we're skipping lunch and we're grazing all afternoon. Then we're getting to dinner and we're starving. And instead of cooking a proper dinner, we're eating a bag of rice crackers and hummus or we're eating a bag of potato chips. So we're not getting the balance right in nutrition. I always say build the foundation first. That'll give you 80% of the results. Mm. Then the other 10 to 10 20 percent sure take some collagen take some bcas try a greens powder um you know play with the timing of your meals those sorts of things are kind of like the pinnacle if you think about like nutrition and results as like a triangle that base that foundation that's what we're all missing we're trying to do the sprinkles on the top of the triangle and we're missing the basics Mm. to start with so i think for a lot of us that's a big one um the emotional eating element where we're busy we're stressed we're tired we're running off cortisol 24 7 we're having a crap night's sleep and we're spending hours scrolling through the night we're waking up at 4am we're doing a high intensity training class we've had nothing but caffeine our system is overstimulated the cortisol's pumping and then we're wondering why we're not getting fat loss results what we're doing is pumping out cortisol all day long like again forgetting the basics and i would rather my clients 10 times over 
skip the session and sleep in and actually prioritize the sleep part of it, bring their system and their cortisol, their hormones down so it's a lot more stable and focus on a nice balanced breakfast and a slower start to the day versus getting up and flogging themselves at 4.45 a.m. at a high-intensity class every morning, which this was me when I was 20, a lot of women do. So that as well, the, the stress that we all feel, we're all working longer hours, money's a bit harder, you know, mortgages, kids stress, there's a lot of stress going on. So we're eating a lot of our emotions versus dealing with them. So I always say to my clients, feel your feelings. It's okay to have a crap day. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. But we don't want food to be our only source of comfort and we don't want to continuously use food or alcohol to nourish those emotions every single time because that's where we run into problems. So we're just busy, we're stressed, we're confused and we think that we have to do it one way and only that one way will work. And if we can't get up and do that session, the whole day's gone. But as I said to my clients, sleep in and go for a 15-minute walk after dinner. Even 15 minutes, sure you won't sweat, sure you won't feel like you've burned many calories, but it's still a positive and it's still going to add benefit in long term. I love that. Those messages are so refreshing and we're, we're with you 100%. You know, we, we, we talk about a, a number of those topics on our show as well. Um, you mentioned um, foundations, so building that strong foundation of nutrition. Can you just give us one, one thing that's sort of a part of that foundational element to good nutrition? 100% and it's something that 95% of people don't do when you hear it you're like oh set me up with the challenge like hit me let, let me do it right five percent of australians eat enough vegetables interesting five percent wow. it's it's embarrassing how many australians and every time i work with a client they're like no no i like veggies i eat them i eat them then i give them the recipes and the meal plans and they're like oh well i thought <laughs> i ate enough but i really wasn't and it's five serves of vegetables a day so what that looks like is a cup of salad vegetables. So it's five cups of salad a day, or it's mm. half a cup of cooked veggies. So it's like two and a half to three cups of cooked veggies. If you're only eating salad or vegetables at dinner, you're not going to get it in. If you're putting a piece of lettuce and a piece of tomato on a sandwich, you're not going to achieve it. If you're having eggs on toast, but you're skipping the opportunity to add some mushrooms and some onion and some kale into your eggs on toast in the morning, you're going to miss the opportunity. If your snack every day is yogurt and fruit and it's not veggie sticks and dip occasionally or it's not like a bit of a green smoothie or something like that, you're going to miss the opportunity. 95% of Australians don't eat enough veggies and salad. They're super low calorie. Yes, they assist with fat loss. They have pack of fiber, nutrients, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants. They help with the inflammatory process. They help support our gut microbiome. Like there's so many wonderful benefits from them. We're not eating enough. We think we are, but we're really not. And when I say those types of things, people go, oh, boring, boring. They'd rather spend 80 bucks and take like a collagen powder or take some BCAs before they train every day. But what benefit? Maybe two, three percent. Like eating enough vegetables is going to give you 20 to 50 percent more benefit than anything else in your lifestyle will. Well, you heard it here, folks. Eat your vegetables. <laughs> and I, I find that it's the same with that with water, Leanne. You know, you go, mm -hmm. how, how's your water intake going? And they'll always go, oh, it's great. I drink heaps of water. And then they All cups it. of coffee, there's water in that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that counts, right? And it's, it's never the case. And uh, it, it's funny how complacent we can become with our habits. And not even just vegetables, like make them taste good. You don't have to steam your broccoli. That tastes like crap, right? Like saute it with some onion and some garlic and some extra virgin olive oil, use some spices, use some fresh herbs. And when I see meal plants and it's like chicken, sweet potato, broccoli, nothing annoys me more. Like you should have that diversity in terms of your plate as well. So I want to see three, four, five, six types of vegetables in your meals, not just one. Like when I see meal plans and it's like grilled fish with grilled beans and some walnuts, I'm like, what even is that? No wonder people get bored. Like you don't have to eat 
six ton of broccoli for dinner you can eat two or three cups of different you know types of vegetables different varieties different color because the more color the more diversity the more variety you have the more nutrients you're going to get in long term which is better for your health long term so don't just focus on one vegetable and having you know a couple of cups of that one have multiple and have a diversity in terms of the colors on your plate as well because that for long-term good health and reduction in anti-inflammatory pathways that's one of the best things that we can actually do that's incredible. I, I saw, um, you've, you've probably heard of him because he's a, a, a co-Australian influencer out there called James Newbury. He's, um, uh, I, I watched a, a video on YouTube of him, you know, just about his diet. And so he's, he's vegan and all he worries about in his meals is colours. So he wants to have a blue, a red, a green, an orange, a yellow. He wants to hit the rainbow in every single meal. And uh, according to him, he feels great. And I imagine, right, you, you'd know more about this, Leanne, but... The different colours in the vegetables feed different bugs in your gut. Is that right? Is that why we yeah. need more of them? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And the better your gut health. And like everyone's taking all of these expensive probiotics and all of these expensive prebiotic supplements, vegetables and different types of fibres and whole grains in your diet can do that without having to spend what's like what's a bottle of probiotics like 50 60 80 bucks do you know what i mean and it only lasts 30 days if you can actually focus on putting in enough of that good fuel in through your diet and the color absolutely and not only feeding the good bugs it's also the antioxidants and the polyphenols that they get in as well so if you're looking at reducing your risk of things like chronic diseases and different types of cancers long term that's where this color profile becomes really really important as well and if you just forgot about tracking your calories and macros and just focused on eating say three four or five different colors and serves of vegetables for lunch and dinner every day you will naturally eat less like you will naturally put yourself in a calorie deficit because they're so high in fiber and water that they fill you up like you could eat two sandwiches in the same amount of time that you had a massive salad bowl with a bit of roast potato and a bit of say roast salmon in there and a couple of nuts sprinkled on top like you can't like inhale salad you just can't do it you have to chew it so much that it naturally makes you slow down so you naturally eat your food slower and what happens is a lot of us are overeating i would say probably i mean what is it 60 60% of the population is overweight or obese. Most of those 66% of people are overeating too much and they're eating too quickly because the gut releases a hormone that then signals up to our brain that we're starting to feel full and satisfied after a meal. That hormone doesn't get released for at least 20 minutes after we've started eating. Wow. If we just have a bowl of sushi rice and a bit of chicken and two pieces of broccoli we're going to inhale it in five or ten minutes and we're done so we're overeating we're still thinking we're still hungry after a meal because the gut hasn't had time to release that hormone so again eating more vegetables and salads in your meal will naturally make you slow down it'll give that hormone time to signal to your brain hey i'm starting to feel full i'm starting to feel satisfied maybe i don't need anything more maybe i've had enough it's naturally going to help with so many things also with fat loss, which is a lot of people's big goals. So it's just changing the focus on what we're focusing on. I always say we eat food, not numbers. We're so obsessed with the calories and the macros and people will go, you know, I've got 20 you know, grams of protein left for the day. What am I going to have? I'm going to have some egg whites. I'm going to have a protein shake at the end of the day. Like we're so obsessed with the, the numbers behind it, but we forget about the messaging behind it. We forget about the actual food component of it as well. Yep. And I think people with uh, like that, that are overweight and then they go into, all right, I want to change things up. I'm just going to remove things completely. And they have that restrictive diet mindset. What do you say to people that want to go from changing their body and a bit overweight and they're having that restrictive mindset at the start? How do you push them towards having a better relationship with nutrition 
in their first steps going forward. Yeah, I always say you don't have to cut everything out, but balance it. If you want to go out for pizza, nobody needs eight slices of pizza. It's an incredibly large amount of pizza and one slice tastes just as good as eight slices. The taste is no different, but we're eating it because we're not actually slowing down and enjoying it. So why not have three or four slices of pizza and a massive side salad? You're going to feel the same level of fullness. In fact, you'll leave that restaurant not feeling gross and bloated and overfull, which actually is a really nice feeling, and half the calorie amount. If you just ate half of that pizza, but if you didn't then load up the other half of your plate with an appropriate amount of salad and vegetables, you probably would feel a bit hungry because it's a salad and veggie component. The water, the hydration, the fiber from that, it naturally makes us slow down as well. So our brain then feels fuller and more satisfied for longer as well. So it's doing those simple things where you don't have to cut it all out, but you can actively, Susie and I talked about this on our other podcast, Nutrition Couch, a couple of weeks ago. It's called calorie shaving. Rather than um, basically, it was like a new concept that someone had created and they called it calorie shaving. Rather than cutting everything out, just find little areas throughout the day to shave off some calories. Rather than two sugars in your coffee, have one or swap from full cream milk to skim milk rather than going a full long black if you like milk. Instead of saying no pizza, have three or four slices with a big side salad or have a pasta but share it with a friend and have half that pasta. Because let's be honest, when we eat an entire bowl of creamy pasta, we don't feel great. Sure, it tastes good for a couple of minutes, but you don't. You feel bloated, you feel full, you feel heavy. The next day you're like, oh man, like it doesn't do anything for our blood sugar levels either. We don't actually feel good when we're overeating a lot of these really heavy foods. So it's not to say we can't have them, but it's about how can I balance that out? If I'm going to go out for a lovely meal, do I really need to eat the bread basket? and the entree, and the main, and the dessert, and have three wines with it. It's this all-nothing mentality that we have towards nutrition and towards starting a healthy lifestyle or a program. So get rid of that all-or-nothing mentality and think, how can I balance it? If I want to go out and if this restaurant is known for its delicious desserts, maybe I don't have any alcohol. Or maybe I say no to the bread basket because let's be honest, this is bread. I could buy it anywhere. If they're known for their amazing mains and their amazing desserts, maybe I'll have a main and share a dessert and balance that out. I still get to taste it. I get to enjoy it. I get to savor it. But I'm not going to leave feeling ridiculously full and sick because that kind of takes away from the whole experience when you're overeating and you've just overdone it. So let's just getting rid of that black or white approach to nutrition and saying you know what there is this little gray area in between and maybe that's where I need to fit because this whole black or white thing isn't really working out for me anymore like it isn't for many Australians either yeah nice I think I need Bart to come with me to all uh restaurants that I eat out at so he can share the play with me because I don't like leaving a plate half a plate of food so I need to I need to finish it if it's there but if you're there to help me finish it no I'll shave you I'll shave some calories I think Leanne, shapes and calories. It's a great concept. This has been awesome. Uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thanks for giving us all these these tricks and tips and getting us, letting us know a little bit more about your story. Uh, it's no not worries. it's not hard for people to find you, but um, how can they find you? Yeah, sure. So on socials, I'm either at the fitness dietitian or I'm at Leanne Ward Nutrition. If you're searching TikTok, I must admit I don't use it as much as I used to, but you can still follow me there. One of my podcasts is the Leanne Ward Nutrition podcast. And my other one, which is, um, we're very proud to say is the top nutrition podcast in Australia. That's the Nutrition Couch podcast, awesome. which we love putting out. Susie and, my, I, um, Susie and I, my podcast partner, love putting out um, 
very balanced evidence-based advice. We talk about trending nutrition topics. We go through our new product supermarket finds. And we talk through little client case studies every week. So it's a new and upbeat podcast. We release two episodes every week um, and it's available on any leading podcast platform as well. Um, and if you're into coaching, if you'd like some nutrition coaching, obviously I'm about to go on that leave, but I've got um, wonderful dietitians who work with me as well. So my 12-week coaching service is leangutmindmethod.com um, and you can have a read about it there and apply for coaching as well with some of my dietitians. Incredible. All right. Thanks for your time and um, good luck with the move, the ch- new child on the way. Everything seems to be really coming to a, a point for you and best of luck with everything in the future. Thank, Thanks for your thank time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. No worries. Thank you.